In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. I wanted to announce the book of the week for this week. It is Contagious by Jonah Berger. Contagious, Why Things Catch On. And also later today on uh, my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm going to post pictures for the next five books of the week. I got suggestions from a few listeners that it would be good to have the books listed a few weeks in advance to give people an opportunity to maybe get the books and read them with me. And I think that makes sense. So I'll post that picture along with the book for picture for this uh, book of the week, uh, Contagious. Why Things Catch On by Jonah Berger. And also, thank you. Many people have sent me different uh, recommendations for books, so I appreciate those. And um, we'll definitely check those out, and you might see some of them become Books of the Week sometime soon. So thank you for those recommendations. I wanted to start off today talking about a paradox. And when we look at psychology or lots of different fields, you can see many paradoxes that can be sometimes hard to understand or interesting to think about. And one of the ones that came to my mind was this idea that we put so much effort trying to make sure we look the same, that we are normal, that people don't think we are different. And we, we see a lot of effort that's put into that. And even if there are some ideas from evolutionary psychology that might make this or this might make sense when we think about it in that way to look the same or to look like we are like everyone else. Um, so we put so much effort in doing that. But at the same time, we see that we also want and have a strong desire to be seen and to be seen as different and unique, to be validated in some ways, being special. We see that's very strong too, that we want both of these things in a way. We want to appear the same and not look different or abnormal and appear like everyone else, but we also have a strong desire to appear different. And there's, in this way, this paradox and maybe an internal struggle that we all go through in trying to figure out this balance of how do I appear in a way like everyone else, but also I want to stand out in some way. I don't want to be like everyone else. And we see this even in some funny ways. For example, people, will, if you ask them, almost anyone will say, I'm not a typical whatever. So you, any Persian guy or Persian girl you talk to says, oh, I'm not the typical Persian guy, or I'm not the typical Persian girl, or I'm not your typical this or your typical that. So even in there, we see that there's this feeling of wanting to make sure we stand out, that we see ourselves as unique. But again, we don't want to appear different in ways that might make us get, um, well, maybe we get feared that we will get 
overlooked or rejected or be treated in a certain way. So it made me think about this idea of how what really makes people beautiful, what makes them unique or wonderful, is that difference. What makes them unique, what makes them different is what we tend to really value about them, but people are so afraid to show that to us. And so to me, when I think about all people, I think every individual that I meet, there is something human about them that makes them like everyone else, that connects all of us to one another. But at the same time, every individual I meet, I know is unique and has a unique set of characteristics that makes them who they are. And I think we can see people as both. And what I thought of is how we don't get to see everyone for who they really are because they are so afraid often to make sure they look the same. So I had this thought that was, imagine the beautiful different of all the people you never got to see because they were too worried to make sure you thought they looked the same. Imagine the beautiful different of all the people you never got to see because they were too worried making sure that they looked the same and did not look weird or strange. But really, again, that's the thing that makes people wonderful. And if we look at progress in any field, it's always going to be from someone thinking different, from someone having a unique approach, whether that's science. Um, and when I talked about the Book of Why last week, um, there was this idea that people are thinking the same way in a lot of ways, and they're not realizing that we can actually approach science or even things like statistics in a different way. But until people think different, we don't make progress. Or if you look at art, unless you think differently, you're not going to make advancements in art. People have to be willing to challenge the status quo to create new art, to create even new fields of art or new dimensions of art. We have to be willing to take those risks, take those chances. But we're so busy trying to convince people that we are like everyone else. And to me, that is a shame that we don't allow ourselves to show that because we're afraid of that. So we're, I imagine all the people who I've encountered who were much more than they showed me because they were too afraid to show their true colors because they didn't know if it was okay to be different. And so I think for all of us, we have to think about how we can express that, let that part out. And especially to me, this is an important message for parents because often parents think one of their jobs is to make sure their kids in a way are like everyone else. We think we have to teach them the ways of the world and how to be and how not to be. And of course, there is a lot of guidance that parents can give to their kids and they do have to be aware of the way they're raising them in society. But unfortunately, the message that parents give their kids usually from a very young age is to not show that different, that if you are different in a certain way, uh, maybe it's okay in the home or maybe it can be okay in small doses, but don't show it too much or don't show it too much in public. It might be embarrassing. People might see you as different. So rather than valuing our children for being different in the way that they are for being themselves, we tell them that it's not okay. And this is why we see when you look at very young kids, they're not really self-conscious. They just do whatever they feel like doing, which is, I think, very refreshing to see sometimes when you see a small child 
maybe dancing in a way they want to dance or acting in a way they want to act. And it might look a little weird or funny, but you can just tell they're enjoying themselves. They're being themselves. But slowly we tell them that it's not okay to act in certain ways or they shouldn't look this way or look that way. And we think they're becoming quote unquote socialized, but really they're losing a big part of themselves. And I was having this thought as I was walking around a store and music was playing. And I really thought, I imagine how many people would want to dance to the music if it wasn't strange to be dancing to the music, if it didn't look maybe weird or funny for a grown adult to be dancing. Because if it was a kid, we probably would accept it. But as adults, we think we're not supposed to dance in a store. We're supposed to be shopping or whatever we're doing. We're not supposed to be dancing, so we need to not do that. But I wondered how many people like me maybe in that moment were feeling the music and would actually like to dance a little bit and would actually be okay with that. And maybe it would be interesting if people were allowed to just express themselves in that way. Or another example very related to that is maybe you've been driving in your car and you're playing your favorite song and you're dancing and having a great time and then you pull up to a light and someone is next to you and because they can now see you, you stop dancing because you feel self-conscious or uncomfortable or you think it's weird to be dancing in your car for them to see you. Now that you've been seen, you have to stop, which is kind of strange. You're in your car enjoying listening to music and it makes you want to dance and you're having fun. Why should you have to stop now that someone is seeing you? Is what you're doing so bad? Is it something wrong? But it is interesting that most people would stop and even I don't know if I always stop. I might maybe tone it down a little bit, but I try not to stop because I realize I'm having a great time enjoying the music in my car. I'm not doing anything bad, but we're so afraid of looking odd or weird or people laughing at us or being an embarrassment that we don't really enjoy ourselves. We don't let ourselves feel what we're feeling and experience what we're experiencing to make sure other people think we're not weird or we're not different or again, to show that we are the same as everyone else in this way. And what I think is actually funny is there's ways that we've made it that we should all be the same that I actually think is not how we really are. So going back to the example of driving in your car, listening to music, I think the truth is most people want to dance and sing in their car. And that's actually what most people do. So why don't we just get to do that? Why isn't that the same that we all do? That when you pull up to a light, everyone is in their car dancing and singing and having a good time. If that's what they want to do, you don't have to do that. But why should that somehow be odd to enjoy yourself listening to music or whatever it is you might be doing? So I think it's interesting that we find ways to make sure people think we are the same. And oftentimes it means not expressing ourselves and not even enjoying ourselves. If we shouldn't be dancing when we hear a song we like, to me, that's taking away from enjoyment, taking away from expressing ourselves and who we are. And so when you see a kid and we think, well, they're allowed to dance because they're just a kid, they don't really get it. As I've talked about before, sometimes maybe they get it better than we do. If you hear a song and you like it, why not dance? Why not enjoy it? Or why not sing along if you enjoy the song? Or why not do what it is that you like to do? And so we shouldn't spend so much time trying to convince everyone that we are the same we should realize that we are the same, that we're all human, but we're all also different, that we have our uniqueness. And I think some of this also comes back to the idea of having a feeling of self-worth 
and self-esteem that's already unquestioned. And we all have to accept this about ourselves and others, that all people are already equal, that there isn't a need to try to establish your humanness or your equalness. By being human, you are valued, you have human rights, you have respect that you deserve, as we all do, and you don't need to earn that. And then once you have that, you can express yourself. Now, I by no means am saying this as an idea that you can then do whatever you want to whoever you want, and there's no consequences. I'm not trying to say there should be anarchy, but I'm saying we shouldn't have to earn being human and our rights and our self-esteem shouldn't be tied into some kind of performance or being like other people or what they want us to be. We're absolutely responsible for making the right choices and doing the right things, but we don't need to earn our rights in that way. And then once we establish that everyone is equal, that I already recognize I am a human and I deserve rights because of that, I can then express who I am in the most beautiful and positive way that I can showing my skills and my abilities, showing my quirks and my maybe things that might seem odd to some people but make me who I am, I'm allowed to show that. But when we're so afraid of not being valued, when we don't value ourselves and are not sure if we deserve to be loved and be appreciated and to have the rights that should be given to all, well then I have to make sure I earn them. I have to make sure I don't do anything that's going to rub people the wrong way or make them not like me or make them think I'm different or weird, I have to be like everyone else to make sure I get those things. But it's funny again, because trying to be like everyone else when they're trying to be something they're not means that really we're not being like everyone else. We're being like everyone else is acting to be. And I think that's a shame. So I think we have to start young with kids and see that they already have this feeling that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be who they are and just enjoy whatever they're enjoying and not try to hide it or try to be something else and show them that it's okay to be that. Let your kids know that if they like to sing in a certain way, that they can sing in that way. If they are enjoying something, that's great. As long as they're not hurting someone else in the process, they're allowed to enjoy themselves in whatever way that might be. And we don't want to interfere with that or they can express themselves in whatever way they want to express themselves. That's how we create progress. That's how we create positive change is by letting people be different and think different. And throughout history, you see all these situations, whether it's in art or the sciences, where someone tried to think different and almost always faced resistance, but fortunately, oftentimes prevailed. And we saw that what they were doing was actually an improvement, was progress, was towards something better, but we had such a hard time letting go or facing change that we didn't want to let it happen. We want to let people create progress. And I'm also very aware that just because something is different doesn't mean it's always better. If you give me your car's motor and I just take away a few pieces and add some new ones, it doesn't mean it's going to run better. It could make it a lot worse. But we have to allow the space for people to be there different and to recognize that the beauty of people is to let those individual differences shine and to come out and to, to see them for who they are and what they are and not be afraid. So don't be afraid to show your different, whatever that is, to be yourself. Don't be worried about what people are going to think so much. Try to be true to yourself, which is, I know, much easier said than done, but we have to start somewhere and start with that mindset that every human being is equal in worth and value, but it's important for us to shine 
to our truest and fullest potential by being who we really are and not being afraid to show that to others. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Back studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to a caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Uh, hi, doctor. This is. Um, I mean, uh, I have a, a question regarding my senior daughter, which is going to the college, mm-hmm. and um, actually, I felt kind of she's kind of like a, a good daughter, and still, I know she is. But sometimes uh, I feel that the social media um, really affect her behavior. And um, some uh, this morning, which uh, I was really confused how to approach my daughter when I uh, went to the website and I saw her picture with the uh, kind of bikini and these kind of things and her name comes up and the follower that she has. And uh, this kind of thing, which is uh, really made me shocked, and uh, I didn't know what how to approach her. Anyway, she went to school. I really didn't know what to do, and I'm still thinking how to approach her that these are not uh, appropriate or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially that she wants to go to the college and uh, she's applying. I mean, the, her grades and everything is above average, but the, the thing is that. Uh, she can do much better, and uh, I don't know. It was kind of uh, beyond my expectation that I had it from her, and I really don't know how to approach or is okay now. I mean, with this new generation and everything, maybe I'm kind of like old or something like that. I mean, well, I don't want to say I'm not going to say that you're old, but there is going to be a, a generational and cultural difference between you and your daughter so we have to accept that to begin with that what you don't think is okay she might think is okay um and that's always the case with parents and their kids even when it comes to lots of things for example lots of parents will have maybe experimented with drugs or alcohol at a young age but then they don't want their own kids to do it right so we know that's that those things happen but when it comes to something like this it definitely is a generational issue and also just um Things like social media, of course, didn't exist when you were a child or when you were a teenager. So this is something new, and you guys probably will have different views on it. Now, if you want to have a conversation with her, uh, I would recommend not to make it like an attack or come on very strongly that this is what you're doing is wrong and not okay, uh, and you have to take those pictures down because it probably won't go well. Uh, I would rather you have a conversation with her than a lecture or... Uh, like some kind of you know punishment that you're having in this conversation because it's probably not going to go well if you just tell her you have to take those pictures down and she'll find a way to post them anyway if you, if you you know if you think you can stop her she'll find a way so I wouldn't approach it in that way if that was coming to your mind and a lot of parents approach it that way if you want to have a conversation you you can have a conversation with her and at the end recognize it's going to be really her choice now maybe she's not an adult yet technically but soon enough she will be and you're going to have to give her her space to make that decision for herself and i don't know i obviously i'm not seeing the picture but 
pictures of people in bathing suits or things are not that uncommon for people to post. Maybe it's not comfortable for you, but it can be okay for her. And you probably might have to accept that, that you won't have be able to change her from doing that. And I know you even, I wrote it down because you said she's a good daughter. Or I thought she was a good daughter. And then I saw this. She can still be your good daughter, even if she is posting this. It doesn't mean she's not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, uh, uh, the lecture that you gave it uh, before uh, that I talked to you, mm -hmm. I was listening to that, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes I feel her confidence is um, going down by getting less, you know, the you know follower or something that uh, is not. I mean, I know she's yeah. competitive; she's really competitive girl. But the thing, <laughs> sorry, the thing is that. Uh, compete with this kind of uh, this way, uh, I know she's wrong. I know 100% she's wrong. I mean, but uh, what do you she mean she's wrong? That way. And uh, well, sorry, uh, I gave enough her freedom to make a choice. Yes, when you say she's wrong, what do you she's wrong? How that posts all the time because. Uh, I talk about the, the bad reputation or something. I don't, I, I don't know that gave her, but I mean, going to the college and the way that she talks to us and wants to go to the college, but I think these kind of things is going to affect her. Well, um, it, it definitely is going to affect her. Um, and social media, for better or for worse, is a big part of even most people's lives, but especially the younger generation, it's a big part of their life. And like most things, I think it's not all good or all bad. But I can agree with you that I, I have concerns that all people, not just kids actually, but uh, especially teenagers can get so preoccupied with how many followers they have, how many likes they get, uh, and it can be have a negative impact on things like their self-esteem. Or we can say that because they don't have already a solid sense of self-esteem and their own worth, they look to these things to validate them for being good or being beautiful or being likable or being cool or whatever it is. So I have concerns about it too. So I'm not saying your concerns are not valid to be worried that these things are going to affect her. But the truth is, that's probably the reality, that they're going to be affected by these things. Social media is a big part of their lives. You talk to teenagers, they'll tell you, Oh, did you see what she posted or he posted or he did this or he did that or she commented on his picture? It's just a big part of their life and their social life. And so you're going to have to accept that. And if you try to tell her that social media is bad and don't use social media, I can assure you you're going to lose that battle. So I wouldn't go no. to that place because it's going to be a part of her life. And um, you could talk to her about it. What? You know, her experience, depending on the relationship you have with her, you can talk about what she gets out of it, what she doesn't, what she goes through. But if you try to dismiss it as all bad and you shouldn't care about any of it, you're probably not going to get very far because she's going to care. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, thank you so much. But, um, uh, well, I, well uh, you, you suggest me that I just say that, uh, give her a choice that, uh, Anyway, I have to give a lecture to her that I said, okay, these kind of things, I saw it or I didn't, I just ignore. I don't know what to do. I mean, just uh, because I saw it. I mean, everybody can see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you've, you said, like, should I, I, I think you're saying, it seems like I'm saying to give her a choice. And 
yes, I'm saying that, but whether or not I say that, she has a choice. You know, you can't control her or make the choice for her. So she has a choice. And you have to recognize that. Now, you might not like this choice, and you might not like a lot of the choices she makes, um, but you're going to have to accept that she does have a choice. And so that's why if you get into a place of trying to lecture and control her, you're going to not succeed, and also you're just going to make your relationship with her worse. But if you want to have conversations with her, that can lead to closeness, and even you could have more of an effect on her if you do it that way. But if you try to control her, you're probably just going to push her more in that direction than anything, in a direction that it seems like you don't want her to go, let's say. But I would rather you have a conversation with her where you guys can talk, but recognize that some of this is because you're definitely not from the this generation and also from the social media world where these things are happening. I would be more concerned about how does she feel about herself overall, not focusing on just social media, because yes, because if a boy or girl is not feeling very good about themselves, they might try to seek for attention online. People seek for attention in all sorts of ways, always throughout history. But now with social media, there's this whole new avenue and lots of kids are getting preoccupied showing things like, look how sad I am. And they'll emphasize it or exaggerate it, or look how much I do drugs or alcohol because I'm that cool or I'm that messed up. Or look at this or look at that and they exaggerate things to try to get attention because they don't feel validated enough or feel good enough about themselves that's where i i think it can become concerning or let's say let me post more pictures so i might get some new followers even if i don't really want to post these pictures but it might get attention so i have those kinds of concerns but it's not going to come from you telling her uh, trying to control what she posts or doesn't post you can be there to make sure she feels good about herself for who she is. And we don't want to shame her. Well, I have a confused feeling about okay. her. I mean, I know she's, um, I mean, it's not just I'm her mother, but I mean, I, I heard good things about her all the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that um, when, she, when I approach her and talk to her, she is kind of like, I always tell her that you have to speak up with your teacher, with you, you know, everywhere that you go. But sometimes she comes to me, she said, no, they didn't do the way that uh, I expected. They didn't do the way that I am or they didn't treat me that way. So she comes to me most of the time like this, which I uh, then I get mixed confused, you know. Uh, what what confuses you? I go talk uh, I approach the teacher. I go talk to the special. Now she's a senior that I think she has to handle all these kind of things by herself. But she wants me to be sometimes next to her. And uh, Well, I would, you know, I would say you want to give her that support, but we do have, want to make sure she's taking more of that responsibility and initiative herself. So I wouldn't just leave it as, well, she won't do it, so I have to go do it. I, I would encourage her to if you're going to want to encourage her to do it, first of all, recognize that it's hard for her. You can talk to her about that, that, you know, it's very easy just to say, stand up for yourself, stick up for yourself, say whatever you want to say, but we want to see why it's hard for her. Is it easy for her to stand up to you? Uh, no, but I mean, the, the, I, I don't know how good the relationship can be. No, no, she's not actually. But, yeah. but recently, most of but, the time there, she's in their, in her in their room and then, you know, in the social media, study, right. these kind of things. No, but my, my point. Handle, yes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My point there is to say that 
you have to make it easier for her to talk to you. You're an authority figure. So if it's hard for her to talk to you, uh, it's not going to be so easy for her to then talk to teachers because she's going to be scared of things like that. That's That was my point, that I want you to realize that you can um, create a better way for her or make it harder. And even in some ways in talking to you, I can see that you might come on strong. So maybe you don't make it easy for her to actually challenge you if she disagrees with you. You don't want her to disagree with you, it seems like. And so... Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's so if you don't true. want her to disagree with you, but then you say when other people say something you don't like, make sure you disagree with them or tell them what you think, you're sending her a mixed message. You have to you have to show it, not just tell her. Yeah. So I want you to think about that. If you want her to be better at sticking up for herself, you have to make it easier for her to stick up to, for herself to you, which you might not like because you want her to, to listen to you. But her job isn't just to listen to you, it's to, to speak her mind and have a conversation with you too. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I know probably she doesn't like that I say, but I mean, I give my honest opinions most of the time. No, I know, but you have to let her... I give my honest opinion. I don't hide anything. I don't know. But I know when she talks, she's hiding kind of a couple things. Okay. But that's the thing is that maybe, I mean, it's not bad to give your honest opinion, but we have to be aware of how we're giving it. If it's coming on too strong or too judgmental, then she's going to be afraid to tell you the truth about things if she's afraid of your reaction. So you can want her to be honest, but again, it depends on how you respond to her honesty. You know, people say this all the time, say, hey, you know, if you're smoking, just tell me you're smoking, it's okay. And they say, okay, you know, I'm smoking. And then they go crazy and get them in deep trouble and, you know, go nuts. You think next time they're going to tell you if they smoked? No, they're going to be afraid to because they just saw your reaction. So if we tell someone, we want you to be honest, I want you to be open with me, we also have to be aware of how we respond to their honesty and openness. That part is on us. How am I responding to her telling me things, even if I don't like them? And I'm not saying you have to pretend like you like them. So if she says something and you disagree or you don't like it, you can still have a conversation with her. But how strongly you express that is important. How judgmental you are is important. And if you can make it a conversation rather than a lecture or putting her down, then she'll probably feel more comfortable telling you things and then the more comfortable she is standing up for herself to you the more likely she will be to stand up to others as well yeah no kind of <laughs> i get what you're saying yeah, yeah. i mean it's hard but sure it is yeah it's, it's not easy mm-hmm. uh, i mean the thing is that uh, i try i mean even i don't like i mean i don't know sometimes i have to pretend but uh, sometimes i say when when she say, no, please tell me the honest, your honest opinion, and I give my honest opinion, then it's kind of, uh, kind of, that, I mean, she, she's probably, she knows that how to play the game with me. I don't know. I mean, Well, we don't want to make it a game, and that's why I'm not saying you have to lie to her. If you don't like something, you can tell her. Now, again, you can see that picture, and you can say, you know, I don't know, for me, I'm not as comfortable with that kind of a picture. There's that, or there's... If you do that, your reputation is going to be ruined and people are going to think this of you and this and this. That's a very different way of showing your your disapproval or disagreeing. So I'm not saying you have to tell her, I love that picture you posted. I hope you post more of them like that if you don't like it. But the way you express it can be very different. We can express disapproval in a lot of different ways. Some that are judgmental and harsh and critical and creates distance and some that can actually create a conversation and some back and forth and maybe even create closeness. So... Uh, that's what I'm asking from you. And what you're saying is also something we hear a lot from parents or people in general, because you think, 
well, what I'm saying is right. So I want her to always listen to me, but other people are going to be wrong sometimes. So sometimes she has to disagree with them, but you have to acknowledge that sometimes you're going to be wrong. And it's not just about wrong or right. It's about having conversations and you can disagree. So you can't expect her to always agree with you, but then go disagree with other people. You have to accept that she's going to disagree with you too. And that'll allow her to create the confidence to then disagree with others that are in authority figures and, and, and have those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I think I got my answer from okay. you. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I try my best. To it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a process. That saying that too. <laughs> yeah. It'll take some time. It'll take some time. Cause if you've been, you know, communicating with her a certain way, in a couple hours that I have to. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, you know, this conversation has to happen in a couple of hours, but I'm saying overall this process, and don't think this conversation is going to make or break her or your relationship or anything like that. Don't put so much pressure on it. But what I'm saying as far as changing the way you communicate with her is going to take time. Because even if you have one conversation and you're different, um, she's not going to all of a sudden accept, expect you to always be different. It's going to take time and it's going to be hard for you because it seems like these ways of talking to her, communicating to her, parenting her are automatic to you now. And so to change them will take time. But to me, I want you to be aware of some of these dynamics to try to make these changes over time. And it could shift your relationship. And really, I want you to realize if you think I have to try to control her and make her do this or not do this, it's not going to work anyway. And you're just going to make your relationship with her worse. So losing some of that, I think parents sometimes are afraid, well, if I stop controlling them, they're going to do all these bad things. You can't control them to begin with. All you're going to do is suffocate the relationship by trying to control. So by creating a better relationship, you actually can be more aware of what's going on with her. And even she'll allow you to influence her more if she feels like there is a back and forth in the relationship and that you're not going to judge her or be critical if she comes to you and asks you about something or tells you something she did. That's the benefit that you get. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. And can I ask another question? Sure. Is it related to that? Uh, no, it's for my son that he's playing game a lot. That's so the game. Video there, games? Those games that are now on. So how, what do you think okay. about Just that? Okay. Just hang on the line. Let's talk after the break, okay? Okay, sure. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Lokwi. We'll be right back. Back before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Okay, doctor. Uh, yes. uh, you know, I have a question. My son, I mean, okay. that uh, who is playing games constantly. Do you mean video games? Video games. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of like addicted. And uh, what do you think? What uh, should <laughs> we do about that? And uh, this is another problem that I have. Maybe I feel kind of I give too much. You know, when you say about controlling, that's what I feel kind of maybe I should control. I mean, not too much. Okay. <laughs> you know? So, you, yeah, most parents, I mean, I'm not sure about you yet, but parents who like to control, they usually think the problem is they're not controlling enough. But it's not usually the case. And I don't know if that's the case here, but oftentimes parents who, you know, they're, they're trying to control, they think if only I controlled better, then, you know, I'd get a good result. But... Really, it's not about control is not going to work. And I'm not saying uh, when I say 
don't control your kids, it doesn't mean you should have no consequences, no boundaries, nothing. That's not at all what I mean by that. So we need to have and create boundaries with our children um, that will help them because we love them. So it's not like we sometimes parents who don't want to put boundaries on their kids, they think, well, if I love my kid, I should let them do what they want to do. But when you love someone, you actually create boundaries because it's good for them. They go to sleep at a certain time because you want them to be rested the next day when they go to school, not because you don't want them to have fun at night when they're enjoying what they're doing. You realize what's in their long-term interests. Or if we use another analogy that fits this even better, when you take them to get a vaccine as a baby, it's not because you like them to get poked and have hurt, you know, to feel that pain. It's because you actually know it's going to help them for their long-term health and have a benefit. So you're willing to even have them feel pain in the moment because you know it's better for them long term. But if you just focus on in the moment making them feel good, you say, oh, you know, she doesn't want to feel the pain. He does. I don't want them to feel the pain, so don't give them the shot. So as parents, we have to be aware of the, the small picture in the moment, empathize with our kids, feel what they're feeling with them so they know we care about them, but also we have a bigger picture approach. And so what I always tell parents is you can say yes to the feeling, and this is from Daniel Siegel and some others, have said this, you can say yes to the feeling, but no to the request or the behavior. So a kid can say, I want to stay up later. And you can say, I can understand you want to keep playing because you're having so much fun, but I can't let you stay up more because we have to make sure you get enough sleep for tomorrow. So you understand what they're feeling and what they're going through. You say yes to the feeling, but you can say no to the request or the behavior or action, whatever it might be. So when it comes even to your son in video games, I'm not saying uh, when I say don't control him, I don't mean he should be able to play as much as he wants, whenever he wants, and all of that. Uh, but I'm saying that if you try to just control him yourself, he's going to find ways around it anyway, and it's not going to work. But I'm very much in favor of having boundaries for things like video games. Um, but really for them to work, most of the time you're going to need your child to be part of the boundary-making process. So you're going to have to talk with him about how many hours a day he thinks he should play what does he think is okay and start from there but if you just come and tell him from now on you can't play on the during the week and you're going to play on the weekends it might work but there's a good chance he's going to resist it or find ways around it and then you're going to have probably a bigger problem on your hand so how much is he playing right now he's a if I let him to play, now the school started, I mean, the, if he le I let him to play, he plays, I can say, 12 hours per day. Okay. Yeah, that is a problem. He, he plays, I mean, yeah, the, during the summer, he plays a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does he, has he, have you ever talked, I'm sure you have, but have you ever talked to him about this and if he ever thinks he plays too much? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did, and he, uh, yeah, I told him so many times. No, 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 he, not you tell him, has he, have you talked to him, and has he told you he thinks he plays too much sometimes? Um, no, not really, Okay. No. So he says it's not a problem at all? Yeah, oh, of course, yeah, okay. he say all the time, yeah. Okay, and what about during the, like right now that school has started, does he ever play and then stay up late and not, or not get his homework done, or... It I think this year he started really much better than the last year. Last year, no, he played, uh, I mean, we let him, I mean, that's, uh, I feel kind of 
we have a problem that we don't give a boundary to them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, we, we have, actually, when you mentioned that, I feel kind of that's our problem okay. because um, last year we gave him to play as much as he can to see when he's going to get rid of that. I mean, he get tired of that. Uh, but uh, it didn't happen. And so this year, uh, we tell, uh, I mean, we told him that how much he can play mm-hmm. or his grade is more important or something. So he's kind of working on it. Okay. And that's good. And I would give him um, credit for that and say, we've, you know, I've noticed that you're playing less and that you're focused on your schoolwork. And, and that's good. Uh, but we want to be able to talk to him about the playing because we have to understand that maybe you don't like video games, but to him they're really fun, and they make them in a way because they want people to get addicted to them. It's kind of like drugs. They feel good for people when they take them in that moment, and they can become addictive because of that. It doesn't just feel bad the whole time. So we can understand it gives people either a good feeling or numbs their feelings or whatever it is, but it does give them something. And video games are fun, exciting. It could also be a way of numbing or distracting from feelings. And so people can get addicted to it. So we have to understand he does enjoy playing and that's something he really likes. And we're not saying he should never play, but we want to make sure he plays in a way where there's a balance in his life where it doesn't interfere with either his school or his sleep or his social life or other aspects of his life. So if it's not a problem, then I guess it's not a problem. But what what do you see as the problem right now when it comes to video games? Um, I think he, he got a lack of uh, concentration and that kind of things. That's what I feel. Because of playing? I feel kind of, yes. Because he cannot concentrate mm-hmm. really good. I mean, in the school or something. He talks too much. The t- all the teachers complaining that he talks too much in the class. Okay, well, I mean... It's possible that even things like social media or the way people use their phones, video games can have an effect on how much we concentrate or focus to a degree. It's not going to create ADHD, but people can get used to, for example, constantly getting stimulated. So there could be something like that going on, but I'm still not sure what the problem is now. So, yes, let's say that happened, but what do you want him to do or not do now that you're worried about? Uh, I am worried about uh, his grades, really worried about his grade, because last year he didn't have a good grade because we let him to play, and this year we are really watching him that uh, I, still he's playing, but um, not, you know, I mean, he said he's trying to work on his grade and he get okay. it much better. Well, that's good. Again, we want to encourage him with that. And you could have conversations with him about the playing and as I was mentioning with your daughter, you don't want it to come off as judgmental or critical, but actually having a conversation and recognizing that he probably knows more than you do about how much the playing affected his schoolwork. And if you make it a conversation, it's likely he'll tell you, you know what, mom? Yes, sometimes I would play so much that I would, it would be too late to do my homework or I'd be too tired when I started my homework or I wouldn't study for a test or whatever it might be. And we want to make sure we still don't judge him even though he's telling us he's doing something that we know wasn't good for him and try to understand what he was going through and say, okay, yeah, I can see how that happens. Cause when you start playing, it's sometimes hard to stop. Or when you're playing and you think about either playing or doing your homework in that moment, playing feels like a lot more fun than doing your homework, even though we know you need to get your homework done. And so you can ask him, what do you think would be a 
good boundary or good rules that you could have for yourself when it comes to playing video games and see what he says. You know, during the week, maybe he says I should play this much or that much or I shouldn't play until I finish my homework or whatever it might be. You can come up with that with him. And we see, especially with teenagers, but even with kids, the more you create the rules and boundaries with them, the more likely they are to follow them because they know they're coming up with it for themselves, not to please you or to make you happier because you want this things to be this way. So yeah. I would think about having those kind of conversations with him where he is a part of it. It's not just we're now making this rule. And this is not necessarily what you're doing, but sometimes I see parents where they ha don't have rules and it's kind of almost funny. They have this like back and forth where there'll be like no rules, play as much as you want. But then all of a sudden they snap and say, it's been enough now. And they'll go and like, they'll pull the thing out of the, the electricity or they'll just like go crazy all of a sudden because they've not been okay with it the whole time. So they do almost this black and white and the kids don't know when are my parents going to snap. And all of a sudden it's too much and I'm not allowed to play another minute. But other times I'm allowed to play more and more and more and there's no problem. And so we want to create a consistency with them, but also we want to create a system that they are a part of. So I would talk to him about what he thinks, even what he thinks happened last year. Does he even think video games affected his grades last year or not? Maybe he'll say no, but there's a good chance he'll say yes the way you've described it to me, especially if you make it a non-attacking conversation. So if you started with, you play way too much video games, me and your dad have decided you play way too much, this is a problem, what do you think? He's going to say, no, it's not a problem. But if you have a conversation, you say, you know, I've noticed this, you've already done a lot better about not playing as much and getting your work done. I think that's great. And I first want to really appreciate that and say, I really think that's great that you're doing that. I was just wondering, you know, maybe we could talk a bit about what happened last year or think about how we can create the best plan for this year so that you have the best chance of playing the games you want to play, but also doing well in school, which you've told me is something important for you. So you want to make it like a we conversation, not like us against you kind of a conversation. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate your help. Right. And doctor, how can I get your office number? Because I tried to reach you a couple times. It is, uh, apparently it doesn't work. Okay. Anymore. Yeah, there's some numbers. Sometimes people, when they Google it, unfortunately they don't get the right one. You can call the radio station. I can give it to you right now quickly if you have a pen ready. I don't want to take yes, too much I time with you. It, yes. Sure. So it's 323. Right. Five four three, uh huh. Five nine four nine. Five nine four nine. Thank yeah. you so much. Sure, I really it. appreciate. I appreciate you calling. Have a great day. Time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Goodbye. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. You're listening to In Session with Doctor Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hi. Hi, Dr. Fahid. Um, This is, um, I called on Monday. And, oh, okay. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I spoke to you for like 15 minutes, and um, I just wanted to call back and continue talking to you about um, myself sure. and other questions. And before, yeah, have. before we get into it, I'll, I know it was just a couple of days ago, but because sometimes people are not listening, um, you know, to the previous yeah. show today. So we'll, in a way, start from scratch, more or less, uh, at least doing a little recap, and then we can get into more what was going on. But I, I remember you were married, was it for th three years? I can't three remember. Years. Yeah. yeah. Three years, yeah. and then you were having some issues with um, your husband, 
and yeah. you felt that he was not really you guys were different in the way that you the gender roles he was much more traditional and you see yourself yeah. more if you want to call it progressive or modern so he expected a certain type of relationship that you don't like and you felt that he was not willing to acknowledge that he was also part of the problem that he only saw you as the problem and i think you yeah. were going towards divorce but then he got cancer and you stayed with him while he was uh, yeah. sick and then now he's fortunately doing better but you were still mm -hmm. unsure about what to do right it's kind of what i remember exactly. okay exactly that's how it is and i wanted to add a little bit to it um um i just wanted to say a little bit good things about him because i just don't want to uh, mm -hmm. you know give out all the negative things um he's a good guy um He's someone that I wanted to be married with because um, my parents did not have a good marriage. And what I was looking for in a marriage was someone way opposite than what my dad was. And he actually did have the points that I was looking for. But right now, is the main concern is our communication. This is what I'm understanding. Um, but I just don't know how to talk to him or make him understand that marriage is about communication. And communication is going to help out everything. And But he just, he's not on the same page. Mm -hmm. He gets angry and he doesn't want to get help out. And I just don't know how to handle this anymore. I really want to help him because I do love him and I feel so bad that he doesn't realize what he's going through and the madness, the anger that he has in him. And I am sure it's putting him down also, but I just don't mm -hmm. know how I can help him. Yeah. yeah. And I think first I wanted to, uh, you know, I think it was good that you added, he's obviously has a lot of good qualities too. And it can be very easy yeah. for us when, especially when you're calling in and complaining about your marriage to focus on the negative or see just the negative but i'm sure he is a great man in a lot of ways also and has a lot of great characteristics and so that's yeah. worth acknowledging and even the decision to not be with someone whether it's from the beginning or to get a to have a breakup or a divorce is not to say that that person has to be a bad person necessarily it could just be that it's not a match yeah. or something's not working out and so but it's very easy for us we like to just vilify the person a lot of times in breakups as is like all bad or evil or something like that but that's usually not the case obviously there's some extreme examples but usually that's not what we're dealing with so i'm sure he does have a lot of great qualities as well but a big issue you've expressed last time and also today is that you feel that what communication is something you mentioned but it's not just about communication it's almost that you feel he won't come to the table to have the conversations so it's not that the conversations you need to have aren't going well it's that almost you can't really open them up and that's that's a big issue we have to be able to to start and one of the big places we have to initially recognize is we're both part of the problem and that has yeah. to be there now you said you also feel bad for him which if he is angry yes that is a difficult place or that is painful for the person who's experiencing it absolutely yeah. Um, but we can't make someone change until they recognize something. One thing I will say is we always can try our best to connect with someone rather than by judging them, more by connecting with them through their pain. So if you see him 
in pain or suffering in some way, if he acknowledges that in any way, I would say that's why I think you deserve to get help. Not you need help because you're angry and crazy or whatever someone might say to someone, but you seem to have a lot of pain. That's why I feel you deserve to get help. And we deserve to get help as a couple because our marriage is in pain. We're both experiencing pain because of this marriage. And still that might not get to him. He might not connect to that in any way. But I would say that's a better route than trying to show him, you know, how he has so many problems or how messed up he is, which is usually what people do. Um, for me, it's always about making people recognize they deserve help, not they need it because they're so sick. Okay, let me add something to sure. it. His comments about um, counseling or, you know, doctors is that if they knew how to help people, they wouldn't have a bad marriage. But that's just an excuse that humans. If, sorry, have just so if I. I'm not sure if I heard what you said. By the way, your sound is not coming in very clear. I don't know if you're speaking directly into the phone. It's coming in a little bit muffled. Okay, is it good now? It actually is a lot better, yeah. So did you say okay. he was saying that if uh, um, the therapists themselves wouldn't have bad marriages? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like He knows a few people that went through divorce, mm -hmm. and he's just judging all based on what their marriage is. And he said, how can they help us if they don't know how to fix mm -hmm. their own marriage mm -hmm. and i said you're looking at this in one way you don't know what's going on you know so just stop judging people and let's just get help you know and yeah and said, I mean, that's actually a good you know it's interesting comment and a lot of people will, will say that about therapists in general um that they shouldn't have their own issues and i can just speak for myself that i think every human being is going to have issues and exactly. doesn't mean they can't help other people. They do need to work on themselves, and that's why I think therapists should go to their own therapy, and I do go to my own therapy, because I'm definitely far from perfect and have issues of my own that I have in relationships, that I have in my own personal life, and taking care of myself in every aspect, I'm not perfect. And does, But that doesn't mean I can't be helpful to someone. Just like a medical doctor doesn't have to have perfect health or even make all the right health decisions. Um, I don't think if you saw your doctor having a drink, you'd say, well, alcohol can be bad for your body, so I'm never going to go to that doctor for help. That's not really how it works. So we don't have these perfect helpers that have no issues. And also people, especially let's say therapists, they can give, just like all of us, better advice that sometimes they might take themselves. So they can be helpful as a therapist, but it doesn't mean they make all the right decisions in their own life. And also as a therapist, they're not just giving you advice. That's not really just the role of the therapist is just to, to kind of give advice. It's more to help you work through your problems. So they're not going to necessarily just be telling you this is how you should live your life because this is how I live my life. Actually, a good therapist recognizes that each person is different and so you have to see them for what they are and you can't just give them one the same advice to every person because that doesn't work so you help them figure it out for themselves but that's not an uncommon thing you hear that's why i wanted to say some words yeah. on it but so he's saying that well therapists have their own issues or even specific ones that maybe he knows have had their own issues so how can they help us with our marriage yeah okay and uh, the first year I was married, um, I used to uh, talk to someone back home, um, a doctor on the phone. I still do. And I 
wanted my husband to talk to him for once as a couple, and after a year, he finally accepted us. So we were on the phone with my counselor, and it was my mistake that I just started telling the bullet points, you know, that we have problems in, and my husband couldn't take it, and he just went angry. He was almost going to break the table. And and then my counselor, he was very mad. He was yelling, and he couldn't control himself. The, the therapist was yelling too? No. He told me to pick the phone up and go to the room, and he told me, you need to stop, like, you just, because he cannot handle it. You need to tell him one at a time, fix one problem yeah. at a time. And I didn't know. I thought it was the first, you know, session. I can just. Well, you know, yeah, let me tell you a few. Everything. Okay, so I have a few thoughts about that. To begin with, yeah. I don't, unless it's a special circumstance, I don't like phone therapy. I don't think yeah, you get the same thing out of it. So that's one yeah. thing. Another thing is, generally, uh, you're not supposed to have someone who sees one person individually then see that same couple or see that person with their partner. Uh, that's see. not, that's a kind of a, what we'd call a multiple relationship. So unless it's a special circumstance, but in general, that's not something that would be recommended. Because even if we look at what happened in this case, probably to some degree your husband felt like well this guy's already on your side because he knows all of your story and so especially yeah. when you started and we're saying all the problems of the relationship and maybe saying it more from your perspective than his it, it he couldn't handle that also so it generally doesn't yeah. go well so i'm much more in favor of you guys seeing someone in person that neither of you have seen before for therapy and starting it there than the way you started to me that was I can understand that you were desperate and just wanted someone to talk to you guys. And so yeah. you were trying to find any way. But to me, that was far from an ideal way of starting therapy with him. And unfortunately, maybe okay. gave him a bad experience of, well, if this is what it's going to be like, what's the point? It's it's a really bad and, thing, you know. Yeah, right after that, he said he's not going to do it anymore. And when I asked him, you can see someone in our state, he said, um, I'm not going to see someone that speaks English because he's not confident in the way that he speaks. I said, it's no problem. I don't speak good English either. It's just, you have to try. And he was like, no, their culture is different. And I just, I'm not going to see them. He was just making excuses. And I said, psychology is psychology. It doesn't matter what, you know, culture you have. You just, we need to see one. We need help. And Well, I'll say this. And I'll say, and again, your sound is getting a little bit worse again. But w one thing I'll say is culture can, and it does matter, and language does matter. So I wouldn't say yeah. what he's saying is completely ridiculous because, first of all, people should feel comfortable to talk in the language that's most comfortable for them because when it comes to speaking about our emotions, we want to be able to let it out. And if it's hard for us to think of the words that can interfere. And also, culture can matter. Um, I yeah. see clients that are not Persian and even my own therapist is not Persian. So I don't think you have to see someone of the same culture, but it can be helpful to feel like someone understands our cultural background and dynamics because that can have an effect. So I wouldn't say they're completely unrelated to picking a therapist. Um, but okay. if you don't have a choice, I would say, that's I hope you guys still see someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the reason that we, we don't have a choice. There is no one close to us. And, the reason I started talking to this 
counselor back home was because I was trying to understand my husband more. And I wanted to see how I can get away with it and help him and have a, you know, happily marriage. It was just, that's the only reason I started talking to someone back home. Right. And and that's the thing. I mean, even in what you're, you did, you were confirming what he was saying too, right? I called a therapist in Iran because I felt like they would understand me and I can talk to them. So what he was saying was not just excuses. Now he might make excuses no matter what, but what he's saying, there's something to that. So I would recognize what he's saying and at least acknowledge it that you're right. These things are important. It would be more helpful maybe, or we might feel more comfortable if it was a Farsi speaking therapist but we might not have that option and I think we still need help and it can still be helpful. So it definitely isn't that if someone is an American, they won't be able to help you at all. That's not the case either, but it could be that you might not feel as comfortable. Um, But if there's no choice, I hope you would go ahead and see someone anyway. Okay. Well, I don't know what I can do about it. Um, I have been working on it. Yeah. For three years now, and I don't know, I just, he told me something, I don't know how to say it in English, um, he likes the woman, the, the, the type of woman that says some, whatever they want to say in a way, gosh, I don't know how to say it, um, in a smart way, like how Persian say it, but mm-hmm. I'm not like that, I just say what I want to say, and... I am not smart like that to yeah. say. Like that. almost like political in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that exactly. <laughs> well, he likes that type of woman, and he always talks about his aunt being like that, and she gets whatever she wants, and she's like, he's like, whenever you learn how to, I said, but I was never like this from day one. How do you expect me to turn to something? I was a shy girl, and I was quiet. How can I be like that? It's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Wait, you're saying you are a shy girl, or you're saying you never were a yeah. shy girl? I was a shy girl, always, and I am. Then I'm, so, I'm confused. You're saying you, he wants you to, then what does he want you to be? Doesn't he want you to be more shy and quiet? No, he wants me um, to be like the, you know, the political, say whatever you want to say in another way, and okay. then just like in a nice way. Well, okay, so, I mean, these things are not clear concepts, because to me, being open is very important. So, yes, no, I'm not saying you're not, but being open is very important. You need to share what you're thinking and feeling, and both people need to be able to share what they're thinking and feeling. And both people have to realize that sometimes when you're open, you might say something your partner doesn't really like, and that's part of it. So you're not going to, every word that comes out of your mouth is not going to be something your partner likes. And so we have yeah. to accept that when we're open, sometimes that's going to happen. When we're assertive and we're clear, sometimes we say things the person doesn't like. And at the same time, I think it's important to be kind with our words. So it doesn't mean that, well, if I'm open, I can say whatever I want, whenever it comes to yeah. my mind either. We're aware of how we express things to our partner, to be sensitive to them, to care about them. To me, that's important too. So it's not just now we can just say anything however we want to say it. But um, maybe what you're saying is that he doesn't want you to express what's on your mind to him. And that would be an issue because the way you said it is almost like just say things I like to hear pretty much. And obviously that's not going to work. Is that kind of what he means? Yes. Okay. 
and that's where i think it's it's not you know that can't be the way it goes is that you never say something he doesn't like that's just not possible yeah. now you shouldn't be insulting him or saying things you to, to hurt him but as far yeah. as you not being allowed to express yourself and i remember when you called on monday that was um something you talked about that he didn't really want you to be too um outspoken with him or complain about things or if you were unhappy about things yeah. he was not okay with that so that that's different yeah. yeah but this idea that if you're it's something else you said on monday that if he says that if only you did what he wanted you to do exactly. you guys would have no problems exactly. um, that really he can't be the solution the yeah and i mentioned yeah. to you monday that i'm sure you are part of the problem too because you both contribute to it but you both have to accept that and both want to change in order for there to be hope but if it's just you're the only problem you have to change it's not likely for things to get better yeah, true. I also wanted to ask you something else. Um, I don't know if this is something that I... It's okay to be mad at or not. I'm just not sure what the right thing is. Um, there is something that bothers me about my husband's past. Um, I don't care whatever happened, like, when he was, you know, single... But I do care when he was dating me, we dated for almost three, four years. And during he was dating me, I found out he was dating some other girls. And that hurts me. And I just like recently, you know, found out and I brought it up to him. I just asked the question and I brought it up. I said, is this true? And he was like, why are you like going into my past? Uh, do not ask me questions about my past. I said, I did not ask you a question about before I was into your life. I'm just asking you during the time that I was with you, did you date some other girls? Mm -hmm. And he just gets mad and does not answer my question. And he tells me if I do that one more time, he will be done with me because he doesn't, he doesn't like it when I ask that question. But it is important to me because... In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if he could have dated someone else when he was with me, maybe he could do it again when he's married to me. Well, and, you know, for me, this is an important topic to bring up because people do sometimes when they first start dating, date multiple yeah. people. And I'm not against that when it's very, very early on in the dating okay. process. Um, but this is why I actually always tell couples, even though, or people that are dating, even though these are uncomfortable conversations and people try to avoid them, that it's important to talk about what's happening. You know, sometimes people don't like to have, you know, they call it the talk. Like, well, what are we? Are we uh, exclusive? Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Are we, what? what is it? And people don't like having these talks because it's an uncomfortable conversation. It can make people um, be afraid of hurting each other or ruining things or things happening. But I think it's very important to have these talks of knowing are we in an exclusive relationship at this point? And okay. be willing to hear that the person maybe says no or says, you know, this is where I am at or this is what I'm looking for. And we have to have those talks. So I don't know how long into your dating this was and if you guys ever had those conversations. Um, mm -hmm. But those are important things. And I want people listening to keep that in mind because people avoid these talks and I've seen people get hurt so many times because one of them thought they were exclusive and the other one thought, oh, I thought we were still dating other people. 
and the person can almost feel like they're being cheated on, even though really no agreement maybe was made or no conversation was made. Because to me, cheating or infidelity means that you break some kind of promise that you've made to each other, some commitment you've made to each other. And, you know, it, it's a blurry line when we don't talk about it. So um, I don't know what's happening there, but I do think it's a problem when he says you can't even bring it up or else I'm going to leave you or, you know, making threats about you even bringing up a conversation. Now, you have to be aware of if you bring it up in a very accusing kind of way or that he was already... He's, he feels like you're going to say he's cheating on him before the conversation starts. No, it's... I'm the most patient okay. person ever. And I do not do that. And he likes that about me, but I'm a human. I get tired. And well, it's not just you're a woman, you're a human being. You need to have that space. And I don't know. I know you said yeah. you're the most patient person ever, but that's not necessarily a good not thing. Ever, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even that's not a good thing. You need to be able to, yeah. you know, that's not going to work to just. Because people, when they say that they're patient, what they usually mean is, I'll take what someone will give me, but I'll resent them for it, even though they think it's yeah. because they're being patient. And that's not going to work. If he does something you don't like, you have to be willing, and he has to be willing to hear you express that. So holding it in, and I think sometimes people think I'm being such a good partner because I never express when I'm upset, that's not being a good partner, and that's not being in a good marriage and a good relationship. We have to be able to express it and we have to be willing to express it. And our partner has to be willing to hear us out. They might not always like it. They might not even agree with us, but they at least have to be giving us the space to express when we're unhappy. And it seems like you don't have that, which is unfortunate. And it isn't a good sign for things to get better because the only way things will get better is, again, if you both are willing to acknowledge there's problems and acknowledge that you're both part of the problem. But if you're not don't, both partners aren't doing that, it becomes very difficult to move forward. Yeah. So that's something really for you to think about. Do we have that? And, you know, yeah, I would try with him, but if he's not willing to work on things, it's going to put you in a very difficult place. You can't improve the marriage single-handedly. No, and another thing he does is he just stops talking to me for weeks and months when he's angry at something. He does not want to talk about it. He ignores me, and and I brought this up so many times, and I said, just don't, like, don't do that. Don't just stop ignoring everything and don't talk to me. If you're mad, just bring it up. Let's talk about it and forget it the next day. But he's like, no, how can I forget? I'm not going to forget. Because you're going to have a bad marriage if you can't forget marriage. Everyone makes mistakes, you know, like. Well, I don't want him to forget. I don't want him to forget, actually, at all. But I, you're right, you have to talk about it. It's not about forgetting. It's yeah. actually about remembering to talk about it or bringing it forward. So you're right. You need to talk about things, and that's obviously not going to work if you guys have a fight and then don't talk for a few months. You have to face the issues. But it does seem like he doesn't want to. So you have to accept that if he's not willing to face any of the issues, what do I want to do? What decisions do I have to make? If he doesn't want to work on things and I'm unhappy... And this is where I don't want you to keep telling yourself about how patient you are and praising yourself for being patient. Yeah. Don't be patient. Deal with the issues and see what's going on and, and face your own feelings too. Don't ignore them because you want to be proud of yourself for being patient. It's not going to help you or really the marriage in the long run. Yeah. That is true because um, I liked that about me. When I asked him, what do you like about me? And why did you get married to me? He's like, you were innocent, patient, and calm. And 
I said, how about love? Did you love me? Like, these are not the points that you choose someone because just because I was innocent, that's not good. I don't want to be innocent, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Those aren't, I mean, it seems like it wasn't reasons of what he valued that you brought. It was that you didn't bring problems in a way or he didn't, you know, yeah. So I think you're, you're realizing a lot and, you know, you're going to obviously make the decision you're going to make, but you have to look that now it's your choice. It's not, you can't put it all on him. You have to decide what you want to do. If he, you're not going to get what you want from the marriage, then you have to make a decision based on that. You can try to get it, but if he's not going to give that to you, then it's on you. You can't be, because that's another thing the people that are patient do is that they stay as a victim to the other person, not giving them what they want. But at this point, it's up to you to see if I'm not getting what I want, then let me go get what I want. And that's going to be on you. Okay. Okay. Nice talking to you. Good luck. Um, Is it okay if I tell you, ask you something else? This is very important to me personally. Okay, just um, hang on, hang on the line. We're, I'm going to go to commercial, and we'll we'll talk after okay. the break. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hamra, are you still there? Yes, I'm okay. here. So you said you had a, a um, personal uh, issue yeah. on Spring of, yeah. Um, I, since I told you, I have, I have been going through depression and I used um, different kind of, you know, medicines and it's working in somehow, but I have changed in a way that I don't like it. Um, I don't, I lack in focus. I don't focus as much as I do. I forget a lot, and that's becoming a problem in the job that I have. And um, there is so much, like, lack of motivation and not being happy and not wanting to do I used to be a happy, excited girl that I wanted to go out every day. I wanted to do things, and I remembered everybody's birthday, like, Anything, you know, that it's not possible. I could remember. Right now, I just, I don't remember the yeah. whole thing. Well, you know, depression can affect your memory and, and motivation and ability to focus. So um, they can I all be. these up online and um, ADHD came up. Is that something? Sorry, that again, sorry, your, your sound is not coming really clear. Okay. Oh, I was asking, I was looking online on Google, and I put in those symptoms, and um, ADHD came up. I was going to ask you, is this something that I would have or well, common? It's, you know, ADHD, if you're saying you didn't have issues with concentration and now you do, then it's yeah. more than likely not ADHD, because ADHD is something you're going to have from childhood. And so okay. things like lack of focus and concentration... Anxiety can cause that. Depression can cause that. Um, of course, ADHD can cause that. Even when you start falling in love, you can have that where you focus so much on the person you're you know, falling in love for, you won't focus as much on things. So you know, just if you type in lack of concentration, yes, uh, you'll get ADHD as one of the possibilities. But we have to look at a bigger picture. And ADHD is something that's going to show up earlier in childhood, not just all of a sudden uh, in, in adulthood. 
No, I didn't have that problem. Yeah. So, I used to be a smart girl. Well, you probably still are a smart girl, but it's yeah. more about the depression is leading to these type of cognitive symptoms that you're having, the difficulties with concentration and focus, but also motivation. That's a big thing you experience when you're depressed. And so yeah. I'm glad you're trying to get the help for that, but continue doing mm-hmm. that. And more than likely, if you keep pursuing it, those symptoms will go away. Okay. Yeah. There's even something called in in older adults, not for you, but just for people listening, they call it pseudo-dementia because sometimes in uh, older adults, they'll start to get depressed or if they're going through a depression, it'll appear as if they're going through something like an early dementia because of things like the cognitive effects of being depressed. So we can confuse the two, but really it's actually a depression they're going through. So for yourself, it seems like more depression than ADHD. Yeah, what can I do to make it better? Well, I mean, you, you said, you mentioned medication? Yeah. Okay, well, what medication? I would go to therapy. If, you know, your husband won't go, go yourself, at least for your own well-being. Okay. Um, that okay. can help with depression. There's a great book called The Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. And in that okay. book, he talks about lots of small steps we can take towards helping ourselves with depression it includes things like exercise uh, meditation focusing on gratitude so focusing on things that we're grateful for every day um, but he also includes therapy and medication in there and that might be a book that would be helpful to you but you want to try to do everything you can but also if you're really unhappy in your marriage and it's yeah. going to be there and it's really uh, gives you it's a big part of your life as it is that's going to contribute to it too. So sometimes we do have to make changes in our lives. Um, it, it, that's going to make a bigger impact than other things we can do as well. So think about that also, that hopefully you can improve your marriage or be aware that the marriage might contribute to how you're feeling. It is. Yeah. So, okay, then. Um, that's all I wanted to know. And okay. Hopefully I can do something about it <laughs> well yeah we, we, i can hope but you have to do something about it i am i have oh. been working on this okay i but just want you do, I, you, do you get what i'm saying i don't want you just to hope yeah. i want you to do something whatever that is you have to take the actions hoping is not going to be enough for you i can hear looking at your life say i hope she does things to make her life yeah. better or to feel better but you have to actually take the actions hard yeah i get that i get it that's why i want to that's why i'm saying this because i know it's going to be hard and it could be easy to stay in the hoping stage and not take action but when it comes to our lives we have to take action not just hope so we can think about what we want and then we have to take the steps to try to get there no one else can do that but people from the outside they can say you know hope you have a good day hope you do this hope you do that we have to take the actions exactly yeah I I am really afraid, as I told you. Like, I feel like I'm getting old and I'm not where I want to be in my life. And getting a divorce gives me that feeling of um, wasting time and losing. And I'm like, it's not going to get there. I keep thinking negative thoughts. And I said, okay, my life has never been good since I was a child. And... I was like, okay, my life it keeps getting worse. How about if I get a divorce and then it's going to get more, like way worse. So I keep telling that to myself to stop from doing yeah. 
what I really want to do. Well, that's the thing. But also, there's a lot in what you just said. Uh, also, yeah. because your life, as you described it, was always not what you wanted it to be, and yeah. we won't get into your childhood today, but I hope you'll do that in therapy. Yeah. Maybe you're willing to accept being in a relationship that doesn't make you happy or you think that's what you deserve. And also, yeah. I remember now on Monday that you said um, you're afraid to be alone. And so that's yeah. going to that's gonna mean that you're going to try to convince yourself to stay in a marriage even if you're not happy. And like you just said, you know what you want is something different. And we should never stay in any relationship or marriage because we're afraid we won't find someone else or now we're too old to find someone else. Being in a yeah. bad marriage or one that makes us unhappy is going to be harder for us than being alone. At first, of course, going through any kind of change is going to be hard, especially something like a divorce. So it doesn't mean initially it'll make you feel better. But I would never want for someone to stay in a marriage because they don't know if they'll find someone better or if they think they're too old or they think there's a stigma to being divorced or whatever else it is. I just feel like but it sounds like you are aware that this is your own way of convincing yourself to not make yeah. that scary step so that part that's the part of yourself that's the anxiety that's trying to just stay in the comfort zone so yeah. try to make change i'm not saying you have to get divorced tomorrow at first try yeah. to work on the marriage and see if there is any hope but don't listen yeah. to that voice or those voices that tell you to just keep the status quo and stay comfortable comfort yeah. means unhappiness yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is the name of the book one more time? It's called The Upward Spiral by Alex okay. Korb, K-O-R-B. Okay. Okay. Thank nice you. talking to you. So I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope things get better for you, but I'm going to, we're going to wait to see what you do. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank nice talking. So Take care. Bye-bye. Nice talking to you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, going into our last commercial break. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatik Walkley. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Uh, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Fatik. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, yeah, I am calling regarding my son. He is five years old mm -hmm. and he just started kindergarten a couple of, a month ago actually. Mm -hmm. And he turned five a couple of months ago. So he's kind of like the youngest kid in yeah. his class. Mm -hmm. uh, so just a little background about him. He, mm, he was diagnosed with um, high functioning uh, uh, autism spectrum. If, uh, like about three years ago and then last year again. Um, he's like kind of, he has Asperger's. He's not mm -hmm. like that uh, big. And then after a couple of years of um, early intervention uh, and special education, they sent him with IEP to um, like kindergarten, the typical student. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I am uh, with, his, uh, with, with his mother. We are divorced like four years ago. I, we have joint custody a week on and off. Um, so I had some problems with her to bring him to these programs too because um, she actually always thought that's a stigma and she never wanted him to be called like that. But anyway, he is very smart, very high, highly functional, like one of the kids. He will be one of the kids like this. Uh, uh, like very smart kids, like mm -hmm. who put work in computer science or um, 
things like that. So my problem is with this school right now because until now, last year, we had, we didn't, I didn't have any problem. And my purpose was to move him to a typical class. I was successful on that part. Now I have a class with him, for him. It's uh, kindergarten. The teacher is uh, a white, young, tiny lady, uh, expert, 13 years of experience, and she thinks she knows everything. And um, uh, my son doesn't like this class. The reason is because she actually has a method. This method is really bad. It's public humiliation for kids, for these little kids. He, she created a dog house on the whiteboard, so there are like little dogs. They mm, painted them, kids mm-hmm. uh, painted them. So the dogs would start like in the grass every morning, and they should stay in the grass if they behave bad. These little kids, they should go up to the whiteboard and move the dog to the next level, which is purple, yellow, and red, bloody red. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is. Mm, uh, it's like first day when she said that I was shocked. That it's what kind of um, way it is because it is completely a negative reinforcement. I always thought that the teachers and the school actually is a five-star school, public school. It, it's been ranked number two actually in my city, and it's a very good school. They are very proud of their ranking and everything. So. Uh, I, my problem is with this dark house, and she actually calls it even when they get to the red point, she, she gives them, it's a dog going shape, and that's a, very, that's a red, red dog, and then they bring him home. Um, so this is the way that she does. And my son actually, since I actually had a, a meeting with her, with the principal and another assistant, and I told them, like, there's an IEP, they ask you to, uh, this is a typical class, but they ask you to just give him some time for him to adjust to the class, and I'm asking you to give him some time. Don't expect him that much because it is really new to him, and her expectations, this teacher's expectations, is like like a military yeah. uh, place, like, like she's expecting college students to do something. So... Uh, I, I, you know, I think I, I, I'm asking your opinion about this behavior, that the way that this teacher is doing. In my opinion, this is like obedience to authority, like Milgram experiment. This is kind of that. And I asked my son a couple of nights ago. He said, I don't want to go to school. I said, what's the reason? And he said specifically that he doesn't like this dog house. Hmm. Um, so I am going to have an, a meeting with them again, but before that, I wanted to change actually his class to another class. My co-parent didn't agree because, you know, she, whatever I want, she just wants to, be, to disagree to it. So, but now, like immediately after we started, he started the class, like the first week, he started to bite his fingernail, mm. and he doesn't stop it. So this is like a big sign of... Uh, exhibiting anxiety, and I am really concerned about it. So I am going to write a letter to the school or maybe even school district. Uh, I wanted to ask your opinion about what, how, how do you see these techniques, this yeah. system that this teacher is um, uh, operating with. It. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's a lot of issues to look at here because even the idea of your son... 
and I know it seems like you really wanted him to be in the, the typical class, and I'm not saying that's the wrong decision, but we do want to make sure we also keep that in mind. And one thing I would say is, as an approach, I wouldn't want you to feel like you're going to war with this school or with this teacher, because if anything, that's just going to create more stress for your child. I do understand you want to defend him or stand up for him, and I think that's important and for you to do that. But there can be a way of doing that that doesn't make it as combative then sometimes parents have an approach that can create more stress by attacking the school, attacking the teacher, and that doesn't help the kid. So do I agree with the doghouse? Not necessarily. I don't really like that idea. Uh, you brought up the idea of obedience, but when kids go to school, especially the way things are now, I don't totally agree with a lot of the ways things are. There has to be some degree of the kids being in order in most classes. So should it be some kind of strict obedience and kids should be ashamed if they quote unquote disobey? No, I don't believe in that. But a teacher running a classroom does need to maintain some level of order in the class too. So to say there's any obedience happening in a classroom is something bad. Well, we can't say all of that is true because you need some degree of keeping the kids in some kind of order. I do think in general schools are moving away from that recognizing that it's although we've thought of it always as the way to teach is that kids just sit and we put knowledge into their heads and we realize that's not really the best way especially for young kids like five-year-olds but the teacher does have to try to maintain order and i've seen lots of different ways that they have you know things i i like more when they praise them for doing good things and emphasizing on the negative and so sometimes schools have points that kids can urge earn when they're in let's say kindergarten first grade and that, I think, is better than having this. And the visualization, maybe the teacher thinks it's kind of funny and fun, but to your t your son, it seems like it really is hurtful. And I don't, I could see how he doesn't like that. So uh, I would be aware of, I wouldn't try to present this in even whatever I tell you as, now I have proof that the way you're teaching is wrong, because that's probably not going to help your kid in the long run. Uh, I would always see if there's a way to resolve things with the teacher because I, I feel like in this case is a little bit different, but sometimes parents, I see them with like elementary school, middle school kids, the, teach, the kid doesn't like the teacher, so they say we're just going to switch the class immediately. And I always encourage them to say, see if they can resolve it with that teacher first before your first solution is just to remove them. Um, so I would make it, I would hope more of a conversation. And if you've listened to the show today, I've heard said this already a few times, but I just think this goes better to have more of a conversation with the school rather than a battle with the school. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I thought too. You know, um, it's just like I'm like uh, I hesitate how to do this. That's why I called you because <laughs> yeah, I I thought about the way that you say, but. And, and, you know, I already had a, a meeting with her, and she actually experienced me. She's like kind of a lady that, you know, she, uh, I actually I have some kind of other concern, too. Like, she sent, like, on the day, the only pictures that she sent, she sent eight pictures of all the students. None of them was my sons enough. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, it's just like, I, I see probably she's just, like, a very... Uh, harsh to my son and like uh, a couple of days ago he he had his homework on friday and he and um, i didn't know that he should hand it to the teacher so because last year teacher opened his backpack he's just five years old mm -hmm. and opened the folder and got it so since 
his water was spilling constantly in, inside his backpack. I got like a plastic folder. It has a button, and I just put it in it. And I didn't know that I should have let him know. <laughs> so he didn't hand the homework. Then immediately, he she gave him a big red paper warning that he didn't um, bring his homework. Then at night when I saw that open his backpack, I asked him, okay, what is this big red paper? And he started to cry that mm. I didn't, I didn't, you didn't give me my homework. And I thought, oh my God, okay, I actually put it here and she didn't open it. And I sent, then I sent her a message to the teacher. And the teacher was um, like completely offended. That's why I sent a picture of the folder to her and said, okay, students should do this, not me. I'm not going to open their um, backpack. So she is like kind of completely a military character to me. Uh-huh. And um, that's why I thought maybe I should try to do my best to change his class if I can. And on the other hand, the principal says, okay, this teacher is expert with IEPs and um, that's why we place him to this class. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I don't, uh, you know, the teacher's going to have her rules and. Um, it, maybe they're going to be too strict, and if they are way too strict for your son, you could think about changing it. But, you know, from last year to this year, this teacher is going to do things differently, and that's okay. This is one assignment one time, and if she wants to do things that way and is teaching the kids that now you turn in your own homework, I don't see that as a really bad thing. Uh, maybe you don't like her approach, and I could see that. But I do want to go back to, you know, we only have like maybe two minutes, so I'm going to try to make it quick and make sure I get a few of the points I want to make across. Um, I hope, as I mentioned, you, you'll you have a conversation with this teacher and not just see her as mean and evil. Maybe she's really bad. I don't know yet. But from what you're saying, it's not that she's really trying to hurt your kid or against your child. Her approach might not be the best for your son, and that's something to think about. But back to your child and... I do like that you're being there for him and trying to support him, but we have to keep in mind your child is going to be different than the other kids or than a lot of kids. And that's okay, but we have to acknowledge that that might be the case and that maybe he, and he will need different services. And that's good that he has an IEP and individualized education plan. Um, and that we're going to give him what he needs, but we have to be aware that he's going to struggle with some things that other kids might not struggle with. And so as much as we want to make sure he doesn't feel different in a bad way, that he's not as good as other kids, because that's not true, but we have to still, by seeing him, recognize ways that he will struggle with things, especially probably in social domain, that is going to be a challenge, and we have to accept that so that we realize and see him for who he is and what he's going to go through and recognize the challenges he's going to face. So I don't know, you know, you're saying he's high functioning, so maybe it makes sense for him to be in a typical class. But we have to make sure we don't fight so much even with ourselves to say that he's quote-unquote normal, that we don't actually see him for himself and the things he really is going through. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, very much. Yeah, Yeah. because I mean, to me, he's wonderful and he's, he's a great boy and... I would love to meet him someday and to get to talk to him and spend time with him. But I also recognize that he might be different. And so when I interact with him, I would maybe be aware of that and how I would communicate with him. And we have to just be aware that this is going to create challenges for him, maybe in every stage of his life. And that we have to see the problem or the issues for what it is to actually give him support rather than, and maybe this is not what you're doing, but I've seen sometimes parents so hard to try to fight to make their kid normal, quote unquote, whatever that is, 
uh, that they don't see the actual struggles that the child has or what the child needs. And we don't ever want to lose sight of that. So this is something you're probably going to deal with for your child's whole school career, that maybe some of the things that socially between the teacher and between the kids is going to be easy for them might be harder for him. And we have to be aware of that too. And yes, absolutely, we want his teachers to be aware of this and to be supportive in that way. So I'm not saying they should ignore that. But recognize that things will be more challenging. And we have to be there for him, and I'm sure you will be. Yes, thank you very much. Thank Dr. you for calling. Wish you all the best. Thanks for your thank call. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to Firehood here in the studio, and thank you to all the callers and listeners. Hope you have a wonderful day.